0: Within my community, as a resident healthcare professional, to be—I mean, whatever you want to classify me—forever student, I'm encountering there a ton of endurance athletes, be it you know ultra runners, marathoners, half marathoners, triathletes, and it just goes to show that. You know it's such an interconnected community and you have these people who are you know kick-ass out there on the road or on the bike or in the pool or wherever but they're also kick-ass in their respective fields so in the lab and the or you know doing whatever and it's it's you know it just makes you take a step back and be like you can balance the two
1: this episode of the smart athlete podcast is brought to you by solpre skincare for athletes whether you're in the gym on the mats, on the road, or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to soulfree.com. Today on the Smart Athlete Podcast, my guest is a Renaissance woman after my own heart. Uh, she was a competitive equestrian on the national circuit for over 10 years. She is a, I'll say, talented artist in some sense, loves to draw and paint. She's currently a competitive triathlete and a resident in pediatric dentistry, and I'm hoping maybe I can get some mail order. But she tells me she also cooks really well. Welcome to the show, Ashley Anderson. Sounds good. <laughs> so, so, what are you cooking tonight? Can you can you like FedEx me like one hour or or maybe it's like Amazon Prime now? Can you just like get a drone to send me something?
0: I'll see what I can do uh, in my spare time that I don't have. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so tonight actually um, my boyfriend Ben is in town um, he lives in the Myrtle Beach area and is uh, one of the track and field coaches at Coastal Carolina so he is charged with making dinner tonight so okay if you hear pots and pans clinging in the background <laughs> um, he can cook really really well um, so I think breakfast for dinner I know that sounds like a cop-out but like legitimate brunch breakfast for dinner I think uh, yeah on
1: the menu. Yeah, and I know I, there are some people that are gaga about Brenner as you know. I know it. Um, I've never really been huge into breakfast for dinner. And I love breakfast. But I, I, it's up, it came up in college all the time. And, and sometimes the, the cafeteria would have breakfast for dinner and everybody would be super excited. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> It was like the bane of my existence. I was like, I'm going to have a terrible, just for some reason, I would have like a terrible workout the next day, hands down, like every single time I had breakfast for dinner. So, I think that's why I avoided it.
0: As a resident, I I will confess that sometimes breakfast for dinner entails a bowl of cereal over top of notes and other things that you're working on. So, yes, breakfast for dinner is a friend of mine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's fair because that's easy to make. Yeah. Um, before we got going, you were telling me that tomorrow you're actually finishing up your residency. Yes. Less time. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to celebrate. So, so does, that, does that mean you know more actual dinners now, less cereal?
0: It me- means I get to be human again. Um, <laughs> so, I have been in school for a total of 10 years after high school, so four years of undergrad at Wake Forest, go Deeks, and that's where I met Greg um, that you had on the, the show mm-hmm. last week. Um, yeah. And then four years of dental school, contrary to most people's belief, uh, dental school is in fact four years, and that was at VCU in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, and then I matched – to the program here in Charleston at Musd, and that's a two-year uh, song and dance. So it's been an academic marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. I get on Facebook or Instagram, and I see, oh, so and so I went to high school with is married. Oh, that's great. I'm still in school. Oh, they had a kid. Oh, that's great. I'm still in school. But mm-hmm. you know, to finally, it's really surreal um, to realize that I'm I'm done. I mean, you're always learning. There's always continuing education. There's always mm-hmm. something to to take away from each clinic day. But the fact that the bulk of the academics is over as of tomorrow. I mean, I have one more OR day, so I'm going out, you know, with a bang. But mm-hmm. it's it's really humbling. Um, I'm a very warm, fuzzy, tender-hearted, extra person, <laughs> um, and it's you know, you think about all the moments of like in training all the moments where you're like this sucks or you know can I get through this part or oh one more test to study for or you know this is a really tough workout whatever you know that mental toughness that Mm -hmm. comes into play in sport has definitely found its way into my academic uh endurance events over the last 10 years so Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool to to realize I'm done tomorrow (laughs)
1: So is it like um, I know from my few friends that are finishing medical school here recently that I mean the job market for doctors is pretty much almost wherever they want to go. Is it similar for you?
0: Like yeah, um, it's you know there's areas that are more saturated than others. Um, There are areas where the need is greater, more so than others. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I wanted to balance you know, where I wanted to live with where I could serve the community. And Mm -hmm. I know that sounds cheesy, but, you know, I want to go to a place where there are patients that need care um, and populations that need care. So Mm -hmm. in pediatric dentistry, I think a lot, what a lot of people don't realize is yes, you see little kids, but you also see medically compromised kids, special needs, children, adolescents, and adults And that last patient patient population is very much underserved and Mm -hmm. that's one of the main reasons why I went into pediatric dentistry uh, was to be able to serve that population so you know that's something that when I interviewed for different jobs and different areas you know it was one of my main questions is how many of those types of patients do you see do you go out into the community you know, and go to schools and do outreach and stuff like that. I was very involved uh, in dental school with what's called Mission of Mercy projects, which Mm -hmm. essentially we go out into, this was in Virginia, so underserved areas of Virginia and provide free dental care, like intense outdoors for, you know, multiple days over a course of a weekend Mm -hmm. to people who really need it and can't afford it. and so, going out and, and going into the community and not just serving, you know, the day-to-day patient population is really important to me. Um, so, that kind of factored into my decision as to where to hunt for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, essentially, you can pick up what you do and take it anywhere, which I think is really cool about medicine and really cool about dentistry, is that you can go serve a population wherever. You know, you may... Be super busy, or you may be not so busy. You mm-hmm. may be the only man in town and have to wear multiple hats with what services you provide, or you know maybe not. Um, so that variety is is really um, you know something that I think is really empowering about healthcare, mm-hmm. be it ministry or medicine, and also really intimidating. You know, as a <laughs> practitioner coming out. <laughs> You know, sometimes parents will look at me and be like, "You're how old? And you're you're sedating my child right now?"
1: I'm sorry, um, you're you're 15, right?
0: Yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah, I like to joke sometimes, and, and some people I have to choose who I crack this on. But, um, you know, parent dental school. Um, Patients would look at you and say, okay, well, how many times have you done this procedure? And I'd look at them and say, oh, I YouTubed it, like, five minutes before you walked through the door. Um, and, you know, some, pe- <laughs> some people, like, actually think that's funny. Sometimes it's actually true. Um, <laughs> and then other times you realize, like, you can't joke around with patients like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, anxiety <laughs> level's a little think. bit high.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's. Um, I'm going back home to Virginia to mm. practice. Okay. Um, there is an office back in the Virginia Beach-Norfolk area mm-hmm. that um, I have landed at, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'll be close to my family, so I'm the youngest of three, mm-hmm. I'm the only one not married with children. My mom reminds me of that. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we, we all take different paths.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm excited um, to, to be able to go back home and, and serve my, my hometown, essentially. So did you,
1: like growing up, did you do mission work or outreach or volunteer? Or was that, you know, in school, was that your, like, your first kind of opportunity to do that kind of work?
0: I did a lot of volunteering in high school, middle school, uh, mainly high school with like our local hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually worked in the cardiac department as a volunteer and debated for a while, did I want to do that? Or did I want to go into dentistry? Um, And then ultimately decided on dentistry just for different reasons. Um, It has an artistic component, which like we talked about is a big part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. It allows me to have more one-on-one, I think more consistent relationships with my patients. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I volunteered at the hospital uh, back home for shoot, a number of years. Uh, did a lot with the Mission of Mercy projects as a high schooler prior to going to dental school. I continued that in college. Uh, did a lot of, you know, random outreach things, um, mm. medical stuff, um, and non medical things too. So, no, volunteering and like just being out in the public has been a big part of my life for a long time.
1: Okay. It's like, just it, to me, it doesn't sound like you're like, oh, I'm going to be. I'm gonna be in dentistry and just make a lot of money, and that's all I'm interested in. And then you got that sidetracked. It kind of seems like that's been a little bit of the fabric of who you are for a yes. while. Yeah.
0: For sure. Just
1: volunteering. Um, where did I get? Uh, so I have to write my notes down. Oh, it's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I don't write it down, I don't remember it.
1: Well, it's like we, you know, we get going, and then I'm like, wait, what? I don't know. Um, so you got you got your job. You're, so are you taking your boyfriend with you? What
0: what a, you can import
1: import question. him back home? <laughs> <laughs> that's my job. Uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Ask a lot of questions.
0: So we already do long distance. So he's two hours away from me right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so there he's I have to brag for a little bit. Uh, he has been fantastic about making the trip to come see me. As you can imagine in residency. Getting away is difficult. Yeah. Uh, teaching yeah. care first, you know studies come first so oftentimes it's difficult to pop up and down the road you know when you're on obviously when you're on call but you know when you're in the OR to late you know Friday or have s- stuff to do so he's been very good about coming down to see me um, and we make the most of, of his visits in that you know he'll come and stay a couple of days or you know, I've gone up to see him a few times, but anyway, thank God for FaceTime, Marco Polo, mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, whatever, texting. Um, we make long distance work.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think it takes a special set of humans to be able to do that. I would agree. He is also a triathlete, um, and that's how we met. So, mm-hmm. fun side note story. <laughs> I in a self-induced bad bike accident almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was racing my second little local sprint race and I took a corner too sharply and my bike went one way and my body went another way. Uh lots of rehab, both my own personal self and then my bike also didn't handle the damage too well. So mm-hmm. Long story short, Ben was the mechanic at the track shop where I went for the majority of, of my triathlonism ism needs, mm-hmm. and he fixed my bike um, after the accident and wrote his phone number on the receipt for the repairs. Smooth. And then <laughs> became a good friend prior to, you know, us actually going on a date mm-hmm. uh, and. and We've been together almost a year, um, but that's how we met.
1: Yeah, no, you, you know, you said that it, it takes two kind of special people to make that work, and I, I said I agree, and that's kind of from personal experience. Not me, my personal experience, but my one of my friends who's just finishing his medical residency, or he just finished, he has boards here at the end of August. Oh, um PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> He, He, him and his wife... Uh, did the long distance thing through medical school, through residency. Even after they were married, he he got placed in Baltimore. She was in Philadelphia, Indianapolis. Sorry, um, it doesn't matter. Not close. <laughs> and they figure out how to make it work. They're only you know just in the last year finally in the same place at the same time. And it's been. I know, seven, eight years now for them. So, um, they're two very special people. So, it definitely can work for certain people. So, hopefully, that maybe will give you a little bit of hope or, or buoy your spirits that it definitely can work um, sure. for, for the right people. Yeah. So, we'll see.
0: I'll get back to you. I'll send you an invitation <laughs> to the wedding. If <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> don't let me find out through like Greg. I'll, I'll be like, where's my invite? I don't <laughs> Speaking of Greg, you said you you met him. Did did he wrangle you into doing triathlon or like how did that all transpire? Cuz I think you were just you just ran prior to jumping into multisport, right?
0: Yeah, I I predominantly. So I didn't run in high school. I ran for fun in college. I didn't run my first half until my sophomore year of dental school. Um And then, you know, got the bug from there. But Mm. I moved to Charleston in the summer of 2017 and realized that the triathlon community was very present here. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a local tri shop, um, or there is a local tri shop. They haven't closed. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, I moved down to Charleston knowing absolutely no one or nothing about the area. Um, I was the only resident... Uh, out of the group that particular year it's a two-year program so you have first Mm. and second years but the Mm. only one who wasn't married with a family so I really came down and was like all right I'm gonna have to kind of find my own way so (laughs) I found my way into to blue sky and I realized I'm like all right I can kind of swim I swam on the YMCA team when I was eight, I can mm-hmm. I can pull my own in the pool. Yep. Um, I can kind of ride a bike, which I'm still learning how to ride a bike uh, now. Yeah. And I can run. So, let's see what this triathlon thing is about. So, I got like an entry-level eight-speed road bike from the shop. Mm-hmm. Cleats, some spandex, you know, had the Garmin watch, got all the things.
1: Well, you and- don't even need the Garmin watch. You just got the you got the bike you could you do it without i've seen people do it on like a mountain bike with like a mountain bike helmet and just like regular yeah. shoes on like you can get started for a lot less than people think you can
0: exactly exactly and, and there's a local sprint series here in charleston and you see beach cruisers you see mountain bikes you see mm-hmm. all sorts of things so i mean it's just such an accessible sport depending on how much you want to get into it but anyway so I reached out to Greg. I knew him, um, through my major. I was a health and exercise science major undergrad when he was a grad student there. Okay. And I knew vaguely that he, you know, was into triathlon, Ironman, that sort of thing. So I email, our Facebook messaged him. I was like, so remember me, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> I want to get involved in triathlon Um, I know nothing, but I have things, um, that I've purchased (laughs) and I could, do you coach? Just give me some pointers. And so he was really sweet and reached back out and said, yeah, I kind of, I do coach. Um, and at that particular time I was getting ready to run the Charleston half marathon. And he said, let's give it a test run. I'll train you up for the half marathon. If you like it, you know, we can talk about. You know, continuing forward. So, not only did I have to brag on Greg, um, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> um, not only did he coach me up for the half, um, I pr'd by like I don't know, twelve or thirteen minutes. So,
1: finished, that's a big chunk.
0: Yeah, finished in an hour and thirty-four and some change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the best half that I've ever had, clearly. Um, and I was like, all right, let's continue this. Yeah. So, you know, since then, it's just been such an evolution of not only like my ability as a triathlete, but also my friendship with Greg um, and then my growth, you know, as an athlete, you know, in terms of my knowledge of the sport, the people that I've met, the experiences that I've had, the equipment that I've upgraded to. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, it's it.
1: That's a, a oh, I'll say an all-consuming activity if you let it be. If you have the money to let it be, you can spend as much as you want.
0: <laughs> right. Um. But yeah. So Greg and and his wife Bree uh are in Savannah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is about two hours from Charleston. So I popped down to visit them um earlier in the year in January when I was actually interviewing for some jobs in this area. And then recently upgraded my road bike, so I purchased Greg's old r- road bike and sold mine, the one that I met my significant other with, um, to one of but it, his. It'll
1: always live in your heart, though. So. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, to one of his uh, students. Sorry, my foot is going to sleep. Um, <clears throat> and you know they're they're always so gracious and so kind, and I think that's important. You know, with a coach-athlete relationship, is that they're not just this person that writes your workout plans and mm-hmm. you know tells you go faster or sleep more, which he does a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, they're your friend and they're someone that you can say like, these other non-athletic, emotional things are going on in my life. Like, I need to share that with you. And mm-hmm. Greg has been absolutely wonderful in in all aspects of coaching. So.
1: Yeah, that that was always I mean, really important to me. And before I brought on the coach that I work with now, it's I was definitely like, you know, the coach is my confidant. Like, anything and everything that's going on affects, you know, your, your place mentally. So I'm like, I, you know, I have to have I kind of told him when we were like figuring out whether we wanted to work together, you know, we need I need the ability to say anything and everything that's going on, even if we don't necessarily agree in viewpoints. But like, what's going on with me? Like I wrote in my log earlier, actually, what this week, um, I, not to be a bummer, uh, but I've, I learned that one of my college coaches passed away earlier this week. Sorry. And so he wasn't. He was the throws coach on my track team, so he wasn't my direct coach, but like definitely knew him and he had you know somewhat of an impact on me among lots and lots of people he lived he lived a very large life so that's like been weighing on me this week and I kind of talked to him about that and he was like you know it's like it's okay but anyway um like I said not to try
0: to no let it out here yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but it's like yeah having that having that person that you can share that with and be like man, I was just having a tough week and just really distracted or, you know, I ate cereal for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I didn't have the best workout the next day. It's, it's super important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's, um, you know, my schedule is nuts like from call to clinic days, to OR, um, you know, traveling sometimes for conferences and stuff like that you know I try to give him a heads up and say yo I'm in the OR this week or I'm on call you know can't do long rides outside this that the other thing and he's more than accommodating uh in terms of scheduling stuff that fits my schedule and I think that's you know being a athlete and being a resident has been it's not easy Um, obviously patient care comes first clinic comes first studies come first so in terms of training it often means i'm up at the ass crack of dawn (laughs) getting my my stuff done because god knows how the clinic day is going to go and if i can get in in the afternoon um that being said greg has been um a proponent of getting sleep because mm-hmm. it's so easy. And I think like when I first started training with him, my mentality was like more is better. Go hard all the time. Yeah,
1: that's probably pretty common mentality.
0: Yeah, he's sitting there probably going, yes, and you're still that way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of my evolution as an athlete and as a resident has, you know, revolved around realizing like I said earlier, the balance between training and residency and realizing there's some days where you're scheduled for this length of time on the bike and you can only do this length of time. Or you get paged mm-hmm. in the middle of your swim, which has happened. Um,
1: How do you get a page in the middle of your swim?
0: So, for example, on days where I've been on call, uh-huh. I keep my pager in a Ziploc bag at the end of the pool. Okay. Um, and so every couple of sets i check it Mm -hmm. Uh, fun fun side note uh there was a time on a weekend where i did get paged and i usually like when i'm on call i keep an on-call bag with me so it's got scrubs um instruments if i need them because usually we have to go straight to the emergency room Mm -hmm. um do our like preliminary exam and then figure out what we got to do from there this particular day um I didn't bring a change of clothes in addition to my scrubs. So I had to wear my bathing suit underneath my scrubs. I smelled (laughs) like chlorine. Uh, Rolling into the ED, hair wet, you know, mascara like kind of blotched under my eyes and like roll up to the suit and be like, I'm your dental professional today. (laughs) But, you know, you it's like the Marines, you adapt and overcome. So, mm-hmm. you know, you learn, like I said, to balance the two. Uh, but it does mean a lot of early, early mornings for me, a lot of getting stuff done on weekends. Um, and also, where is I going with this? Getting going to bed early. So, yes, I wake up really, really early, but I also go to bed really, really early. So trying to find a balance between the two.
1: Um, yeah. Is I mean, is that, is that really, because I was curious about your typical day. I didn't really seem to have to ask you, but is that typically what you're trying to get in, just wake up at 4 a.m. or whatever to get things done so that the day doesn't get in the way?
0: For the most part. Um, OR days like today and um, tomorrow are a little bit different in that, you know, I have to be there ready to roll at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, um oftentimes i'll wait until after the fact some days if i know it's gonna be a really long or day i'll just get up early and get it done Mm -hmm. um, or shorten sometimes i try to stick to like what's scheduled as best i can Mm -hmm. um but yeah it just it just depends um and also learning to be kind to your body and Mm -hmm. realize like if you need extra time and this is something like Greg has to constantly remind me, he's like, if you need to ease up on a workout or if you need to modify a workout, you know, if you're tired, like listen to your body. It's so easy for me. And this is the mentality that's gotten me to where I am today to Mm -hmm. go, go go push, like ignore, you know, pain, not necessarily. Yeah. Pain, but you know what I mean? Certain
1: kinds of pain.
0: Exactly. You know, like ignore it, like whatever, brush it off, keep rolling, keep the pace. And that's, That's almost detrimental to growth as an athlete. Like you have to Mm -hmm. learn when to rest, um, which is something like I'm constantly learning. When to rest, when to go hard, when to go easy, uh, and and really tune your ears to listen to your body. Um, I've had a lot of different injuries over the last year and a half that have humbled me in that way.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's the tough part, and it's something you know. I know I'm always learning. I was injured. Numerous ways in college. Um, but it's like people always say, well, listen to your body. But it's like you, there's some things you need to listen to and some things you need to ignore. Because if you always listen, then it's like, I'm running hard. It hurts. Do I listen to that voice that's saying stop? Well, no, you have to like ignore that to some degree and continue forward. But then there's other things. It's like, no, that hurts because you've pulled something. You should listen to that one, you know. <laughs> but it's like, how do you. We, at least, and I don't know, uh, I only, I say I I'll speak one I speak one language and I mildly speak another language. I don't know if it's a limitation of English or just a limitation of being able to express it, but there's so many different types of pain. They're like the word pain does not encompass all the different sensations you can experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we could communicate what those things are more effectively, it would be yeah. easier to be like, oh, that's what that is. Listen to that.
0: Yeah. I like to think sometimes like hard workout pain, like, you know, I'm running hard, like this sucks. Like that is, that is suck pain. Mm -hmm. You know, this is difficult. I hate my life right now. I kind of hate my coach right now. (laughs) (laughs) Those thoughts, but you know, the actual, the body aches and pains that extend beyond just muscle soreness or like, for example, yeah, I want to say, gosh, almost two months ago, um, I was running. So, I told you I had my bike accident almost mm-hmm. a year ago. Huge amount of recovery time with that. Um, yeah. I couldn't run for like two did months. Did you break anything? <laughs> I found out after the fact that I did break something. Uh, okay. At the time, no broken bones. Just a lot of soft tissue issues, yeah. a lot of you know compensation injuries, mm-hmm. extensive PT, um, big old hematoma on my left-hand side that looked like I had a tumor on my leg for a good month after the accident, but fortunately, no broken bones that I knew about at the time, uh, but it couldn't run, couldn't swim, or excuse me, couldn't run, could bike and swim. Finally started running again, and that was you know, very, very slow, very, you know, it was, a, it was a long road to get back to what I was training for at the time, which was the Charleston marathon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was that constant like listening to my body of, is this just stiffness fatigue or is this still injury kind of lurking? Um, and so my point being is that I, I ran the marathon Uh, thanks to Greg running about 20 miles a week for, you know, maybe two months ended up qualifying for Boston, which was the goal Mm -hmm. and, and did fine in the marathon was asymptomatic, but the recovery after the marathon was difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, I was running probably about two months ago, felt fine, tried to push a little bit more as prescribed in my workout. Mm-hmm. It felt one of those body pains and it was a sharp pull um, on the opposite side of where I'd been injured. And that was a pain that triggered, okay, this is not normal, I need to stop. And with that, long story short, found out I had a small tear in my labrum, which most humans that exercise do, yeah. um, you know, it's pretty common. But this is when I found out about my broken bone. So I had <laughs> a, an MRI, um, arthrogram of my hip. Um, and fortunately it came back pretty non-contributory except for the small labral tear. Um, they told me I had some issues in my knee as well that were probably causing some of the hip, hip, hip issues. But the orthopedic doctor comes in to my treatment room. He's like, "Do you know you fractured your pelvis? And I said, no, nobody's told me that. He said, yeah, you have a small, you know, healed fracture line that if I had to guess, I'd say you probably got when you fell off your bike in July of last year. And I said, and he, you know, completely like honey badger about it, didn't really care. And I looked at him and I said, should I be concerned? And he said, no, I mean, it's in a non-weight bearing area, um, you know that's probably why you could walk and do all the other things that you could do I'm like all right
1: and it healed without like intervention or yeah
0: yeah yeah no but I guess you know my point to all that is the difference between running and and working out through fatigue versus like when the body's like hey no this is not okay we need to stop and like learning to to rest during those times and take it easy which is hard for me to do.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you get this positive feedback loop where it's like you work hard and if you work hard, especially when you're working harder than other people and then you're getting results whatever it is, whether it's race results or good grades or, you know, admission into a school you want to go to. It's like, oh, there's I mean, there's the the cherry on top of my ice cream for all the work that I did to, you know, to get this bowl of ice cream. And Mm. so it's like all I need to do is just can do more of this. It's that 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 symptom of thinking that only hard work gets those results right yeah um so i i want to back up to earlier in your life where you're riding horses so what you, okay so you said you you showed horses were you doing like dressage were you jumping like what what did you do
0: so never jumping intentionally
1: okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so, I showed for the majority of my sh- career, I still ride now, um, yeah. it's still, you know, something that's near and dear to my heart, uh, but what's called hunter pleasure, so think fox hunting, mm-hmm. um, You wear, like the little pants and the jacket and the boots, you mm. know, the, the black boots and the black hat, so you're not going over fences, but you're judged. The horse and the rider are judged on three different or f- four different. Let's just call them speeds uh, yeah. or called gates. So what's called a walk, a trot, a canter, which is a three-beat gate, right. and a hand gallop, which is essentially like controlled hauling ass around right. the arena with your horse. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then you switch directions and you do it again. Which sounds very simple, but The horse has to look a certain way, has to carry itself in a certain way. You have to carry yourself as the operator in a certain way um, and try not to cause major havoc in the arena with probably 25 to 20 to, you know, anywhere, either side of that other horses. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did that for a little bit, uh, tapped into some dressage for a period of time. And then um, also showed what's called sport horse, which is a little bit more based on kind of the horse's athletic prowess, performance. Mm-hmm. Um, horses that are geared more towards like endurance sports, so cross country jumping, mm-hmm. um, dressage. You know, the horse that's a little bit more athletic in confirmation versus more. Showy um, yeah. for lack of a better way to put it. I'm trying to put this in like non horseman terms, but yeah, did that. Um, and, and went all over the country for, and it was a huge part of our family. I mean, like triathlon, there's a lot of equipment involved. There's travel yeah. involved. There's a lot of time involved. I mean, I played basketball. I took up space in the court. Like I told you, uh, for, shoot since i was in elementary school through through college excuse me not through college through high school Mm -hmm. um and i loved it and it was great and i enjoyed it but outside of basketball season i was at the barn i was practicing i was taking care of horses Mm -hmm. uh, helping out around the barns and and when we traveled and went to shows you know my parents went my brother went sometimes and it took us all over you know god's good earth so yeah Part
1: of my life did you Were you, um i assume you're working like with one dedicated horse for when you're doing each discipline
0: right yeah so um my so i got into riding when i was about six mm-hmm. um <clears throat> obviously with this being you know a, a more involved sport both from a time perspective and a financial perspective Um, once I got to be a little bit older, my parents kind of sat me down they're like, all right, you know, you're playing the piano, you're dancing, you're doing this, that, and the other thing. If you really want to get involved with horses, like we need to pick and focus. Mm -hmm. So I picked and focused. Um, and when I was 11 or 12, um, so I'd been involved for quite some time and shown, yeah, you know, my love for the sport and also my dedication. So not just going out and riding, but shoveling poop, cleaning around the farm, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. um, got my first horse, which is an interesting story. I will bore you with for like two minutes. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, my trainer at the time, I learned this after the fact was at a show in Florida and she called my dad and she was like, There's a horse down here I think would be a good fit for Ashley. Um, We can bring him up from Florida. She can try him out. If it doesn't work, we take him back to Florida. And I'm like, or my dad was like, all right, let's try it and see. And so they brought him up with the premise to me as an 11-year-old that they wanted to test drive him to see if they could sell him and market him as a kid-friendly horse. So I rode him for like a month. This was like right before Christmas time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And... All of a sudden, right before Christmas, my trainer looked at me and she said, "You know, we found a family. His name was Tango. Uh, we found a family for Tango. Um, he'll be leaving uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, go ahead and tell him goodbye." So mm-hmm. walked over and told him goodbye, and was like super sad. Yeah. Christmas morning rolls around, and we all know how this story ends. But I'll continue the story. <laughs> I go to the front door, the doorbell had rung and, and my trainer's standing there and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, are you gonna let me in or not? And so she hung out with us for a little bit and she told me to go look outside. And I did. And there was this trailer there and Tango was sticking his head out. (laughs) Dumbass me. Um, looks at my (laughs) trainer and says, Oh, that's so sweet. You brought Tango to like say goodbye one more time before you take him to Pennsylvania or wherever else you're taking
1: them to. It's Christmas, it's not all coming together yet.
0: (laughs) She like whacked me on the back of the head and she's like, No, he's yours. I'm like, What? Um, so he was the horse that I worked with for quite some time. Um, and then he. So there's a suitability of horse to rider component, and mm-hmm. I, for all intents and purposes, uh, outgrew him. So mm-hmm. I'm not exactly short, but he was, and so we ended up uh, selling Tango to um, the a friend, and uh, there was a girl in the farm that was trying to sell her horse. She was getting ready to go to college, so we ended up getting his name was his name was Bam. So we got Bam from Annie, and that was the horse that I rode from, shoot, my sophomore year of high school, yeah, rising sophomore year of high school, uh, you know, until college. Uh, We still have him. Um, It's a long story, but he's had some pretty significant health issues recently and actually went home not too long ago uh we didn't think he was going to be able to make it mm-hmm. and he's doing okay now um with a lot of medicine and we're just kind of seeing how he does but yeah. you know they, they become like family
1: yeah
0: with them that long but yeah they, those are my two
1: see i'm i'm a big animal lover so i know i even know like i i took um i guess it was technically just saw his and then uh a yeah. semester a semester of uh, driving in college. Well, the college offered it because there was a nearby stable. So um, she, this lady just raised American saddlebreds. Okay. So that's what we had to work with. Um, but I haven't like since like and I I loved it. But I, like I got attached to like the horse I kind of graduated to. I I went through, I guess I'll say three horses in the time that I was with her and kind of progressed. His name was Ricky. Um, he was a retired show horse, so, you know, a little bit more, like, the horse they start you out on is real forgiving, sure. you know, but also not going to be super high performance, so he was definitely more, like, touchy, you know. Yeah. So, like, with, like, with the range, you, I mean, you know, you, you could, like, move your pinky to ask him to do something instead of, like, having to pull it. It's right. just, like, that very light touch. So, I'm curious what you would recommend, like, as a... As a casual horse person, very casual, because I don't have the opportunity to ride. Well, what should I do? Like, if I want to, if I want to ride, but I, I can't own a horse. Like, what what would the average person do, in your opinion?
0: Yeah. Um, so you know, you'd want to research different farms in your area. Um, You know, just based on my experience, some farms are really friendly to people coming in for casual lessons every now and then, Mm -hmm. um, or just coming out to the farm and hanging out with the horses. There are some farms that, you know, like triathlon, are more into elite performance, and Mm -hmm. you're here to ride and show and compete and eventually buy a horse, and that's it. Um, But I would say in today's market, like most farms are just looking for people that want to ride and riding, at least that's what I would hope and then if you want to get more involved and go down the rabbit trail a little bit more then sure that's there for you so you want to find kind of a farm that fits you and fits your needs oftentimes farms offer you know lessons so that would be a good way kind of as a novice noob you know some background to get into it is you know have a couple of lessons mm-hmm. um, a nice alternative and we did this for a while before uh, buying a horse is it's like a car. Um, you can lease the <laughs> so an okay. existing an existing horse at a farm um, that may be used for lessons you can lease from the farm.
1: So is that like is that like like also it's like fractional ownership or like you can take it to the trail but you got to bring it back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you can't just go <laughs> like buck wild and run into the horizon. <laughs> the never come back again. Um, So, you know, that, that could vary, you know, you have the ability to ride the horse more or less when you want to, Mm -hmm. uh, you do pay for its vet bills, its feed. It's basically your horse. There is some, usually some fees that are covered by the farm. Um, and then there may be some special agreements where the horse is used for other people's lessons, Mm -hmm. um, on occasion, but that's a nice, like, kind of getting your feet wet, getting your feet in the door. Um, in addition to, you know, once you've gone past that, I'm just going to take some casual lessons.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it, it makes the sport so much more accessible for so many people. Cause there are little ones that come out to the farm. They're like, I want to ride ponies. And then yeah. next year it's like, no, I want to do gymnastics. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, you're not going down the slope that you can't get out of it from a financial standpoint.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think I I think we're kind of kindred spirits in a sense, which is why I said in the beginning, like I have I, growing up, I've had so many hobbies. It's like how do I even find time to do all the things I want to do? Mm-hmm. It's like I always try to figure out how can I do this casually. Like I, you know, love to just be able to like, oh, well, I've got time, let's go ride on the weekend or something. But it wouldn't be like every week i can take lessons so i'm always just like from people in the know <laughs> i'm like how do i get back into this yeah um so you know greg i don't think you've met richard but have you met richard do you know richard
0: i do know richard um i have not actually met richard it's okay. more of like i know him
1: through- by association
0: yes so interesting story about richard and richard if you're watching thank you for the wheels (laughs) um so when i got my initial bike from blue sky um over time greg so i was like using the bikes at the gym for power data and giving that to greg is kind of like an initial like where the hell am i from a standpoint right and so Richard was selling a set of wheels that had a power tap hub. Um, mm-hmm. And forgive, like this is why I date Ben because I know nothing hardly about bikes. but <laughs> <laughs> um, but had a power tap hub in, in the rear wheel. And Greg put me in contact with Richard and said, "Hey, like, would you be interested in buying Richard's wheels? I think it would be really beneficial to have power data." on your road bike and then of course on your trainer so that way obviously i'm not having to go to the gym all the time and ride the damn pelotons for right a, right our data so that's how i met richard and richard was really sweet he mailed packed put together the set of wheels gave me the wheel case carrier mm-hmm. thing um and I've used those wheels on my road bike ever since, and it's it's been it was a game changer at the time for my training and continues to be. But I know Richard through through Greg. Okay, uh, okay. well the reason Greg.
1: the reason I ask is because so Richard is a certified yoga instructor in on your Instagram profile you say you're a wannabe yogi so I was like maybe there's this <laughs> weird like confluence where you know Greg and maybe you and Richard like. Do yoga retreats, and so I was trying to like dig down and see if there was <laughs> any more. I there.
0: yoga. I don't. I'm not chill enough for yoga. Like I'm still like always trying to find my chill. I am like too extra for the namaste, but I really try hard. <laughs> um, and it's 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 something that you know, both from a mental standpoint, you know, a headspace standpoint, and then from like an, a rehab kind of wellness standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's integral to, to what I do. And, um, I just have to make time for it Mm -hmm. with all that goes on up here for my main hustle, my residency. Um, it's really hard oftentimes to clear my headspace, And that's something that I've talked to Greg, you know, as I've had more experience over the last year with racing, a lot of this stuff transpires to my performance Mm -hmm. and talked about kind of like getting my head out of my butt and you know getting my headspace clear so that you know my training shows you know full send um on race day but no I I'm forever trying to like be cool and be really good at yoga but it's a work in progress
1: (laughs) well it's like the trick is like the trick is the hard part because it's like you have to Try to not try, but if you're trying, you're not trying, you're not not trying. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like you just have to not try <laughs> and let that headspace go. So, which is you know difficult when you're very wrapped up. it, 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 reminds, it reminds me of I had the same problem, and one of my coaches in college he said to me, and I repeated, I'll call it a quote, but it's a paraphrase. I repeated this quote to uh, an untold number of people. He said, Jesse, do you know why stupid people are so much faster than you? (laughs) He said, they don't think how much it hurts. They just run. Yeah. And that really encompassed all of it because I was like trying to micromanage all my feelings on every rail. It's like, it's good to be in touch with how you feel. But I was like, so like, like I said, micromanaging like every single feeling on every rep on every corner of the train. is just—it was just too much, and he was just like, "Just stop! Like with all this, just stop! Just run!" And I, anytime I'm overthinking, I come back to that quote from him, and be like, "That's why stupid people are faster than me because they're not thinking so
0: hard." Yeah, and I think it's hard. I mean, for you know, Type A, oftentimes track athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of us who do balance careers and, you know, very headspace necessary entailing, you know, things on a daily basis, be it teaching, research, you know, medicine, dentistry, whatever, you know, kung fu. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah, that, that does require the headspace. It's it's so hard to turn the brain off from the science and mm-hmm. tune the brain into What is my body feeling or not? You know, just do it. Just go do it. And that's been kind of my mantra as I've gotten more races under my belt. Instead of rolling into race day, being like, okay, is my bike pedal in transition exactly where I want it to be? Are my cleats laid out exactly where they want to be? I'm going to start the run out exactly like this. I'm going to swim this many strokes and then breathe and then sight. No, just go do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the times where... I've gone out with that mentality. The performance has been heads and shoulders above any time that I've gone into something and just overthought it. Mm -hmm. And that's the case in my residency. That's the case. That was always the case with riding and competing. In fact, my trainer would oftentimes, like, if she took a heavy sigh and a sip of her coffee, you knew the phrase just stop and the face palm.
1: Coming. <laughs> we're coming soon um,
0: yeah so so it's i mean it's something that i think we all were are constantly struggling with as nerdy athletes
1: mm-hmm. i know you're uh uh your boyfriend's probably finishing up with dinner here soon so it, it smells really good i wish it
0: <laughs> like a scent feature but it doesn't
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i, I kind of want to be mindful of that and make sure you're not gonna have a cold dinner um you, you haven't yet seen this question, I think, because you haven't watched the last part of Greg's, uh, Greg's episode that's not out yet. But I ask everybody because it's a, such a universal thing. If you can only eat one food for recovery for your, the rest of your life, what do you choose?
0: Oh, my God. I can't say cereal.
1: Um, <laughs> we'll go plan B is cereal.
0: I could joke. So, Greg and I have this joke that I need to eat real. so I love goo energy stroop waffles. Okay, I don't know if you've ever had one, if not, I'm not
1: but I you. know what it is.
0: Yeah, so I've like been weaning myself off of those. Okay, uh, in, in my training, so I can't say stroop waffle because otherwise, Greg will get angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with, and it's gonna be really weird, but sweet potatoes. I mean, essentially, like it's a complex carb, right? Um, you can do a whole lot of things with it. It's pretty hearty, good beta carotene. Um, and I am, like, when it comes to like favorite foods, seasons, things like that, I'm like basic white girl. Like, I love fall. Um, and sweet potatoes remind me of fall. So I'm going to go with that.
1: So <laughs> that's, that's a solid answer. I haven't think of anybody say sweet potato yet. So Mark, Mark went up for the sweet potato crowd. Um, <laughs> Ashley, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, where can they find you?
0: Uh, sure. So I am I feel like really popular right now, which <laughs> <It's> never happens. <laughs> <So laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. I am A. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook Ashley Anderson Um, you can follow me on Strava it's always entertaining Uh, again Ashley Anderson I am new so this is the first time I've had Skype on my computer since college if you want to Skype me on Skype my email Um, but yeah that's call me beat me you know whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) sounds good thanks for coming on today Ashley
0: yeah thank you so much